Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of Friend of a Friend. It's your host, Olivia Perez. Today we are joined by the queen of the silver screen, Zoe Deutsch. You probably know her from movies like Set It Up, Not Okay, Flower, and now her latest project, Something from Tiffany's, a holiday rom-com that is set to be an instant classic. Zoe plays Rachel, a baker in New York City, whose life gets totally upended when she gets an engagement ring that was actually meant for somebody else, but leads her to the person that she's meant to be with. I got to see the movie over the weekend, and I have to say that it is the kind of holiday film that I feel like I've been wanting to see for a really long time. The cast is amazing. The story is amazing. So make sure you add it to your queue for over the holidays because it is just such a good movie, and I know you guys will love it. In this episode, Zoe chats about bringing back the feel-good rom-com what goes into her acting process, and what it was like working with the one and only Reese Witherspoon on the holiday movie of the year. For all my fashion buffs, we of course talk about all of her incredible looks on the red carpet and off-duty as well. I hope you guys love this episode. If you haven't followed the show yet, find us wherever you listen to your podcasts and make sure you follow us and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in and have an incredible week, everyone. Here is my conversation with my friend, Zoe Deutsch. Hey, Zoe. Hi. How are you? I'm so good and so happy that I have this mint tea. It's very exciting for me. I know. It's very overcast in LA right now, and it's like kind of cold, and I'm just so happy to be sitting here with you with big cups of tea. I know. It feels really cozy. <laughs> it does. It does. I love that you walked in, and the first thing, one of the first things that you said was like, you and I have so many friend of a friends. It feels like very nice to be on the show called Friend of a Friend. <laughs> You're like, and that, Zoe, is why it's called Friend of a Friend. And it I is. Like, it's why it's called Friend of a Friend. Yeah. I, you particularly, and so many other friends that I've had on the show, it's really nice to bring on people that I semi-extended like circles grew up around and to just be able to see and like watch everyone's careers come together. It feels full circle when I get to have people on the show yes. that I admire, but also remember. And grew up together. Yeah. No, yeah. It's yeah. really, it's really nice. Also, did you just get engaged? Did I, I say congratulations? Thank I just you. saw it. In my, I was like, wait a minute, shiny. <gasps> Thank you. Yeah. That's so um, exciting. I know. Speaking of like full weird, crazy life moments. Yeah, definitely. We're full blown adults. Did you know that? No. <laughs> I just I did found not out. Know that. I, you know what? I actually did really just find out when I got engaged. I was like, oh shit. I feel 12 like all the time. Yeah. I, I, it's so interesting. I don't know how you feel. I wanted so bad forever to be older yeah always and I I'm not sad about it 
it's just so strange to now be older <laughs> and be like, oh, now I feel permanently like I'm 22. I don't feel yeah. like I'm 28. I, it's very confusing. It doesn't feel right when I say it, but it's a fact. I can't change it. It's interesting that you feel permanently 22 because I feel roughly around the same age. I feel like I stopped mentally evolving after that point, but I didn't. I stopped mentally evolving at, you know, like four. Um, yeah, I just, I and part of me is like, do I want to actually investigate why I don't feel like I'm past 22. What's interesting, I don't know how I'm, I'm going to butcher this and I'm sure somebody <laughs> who studies psychology and is much smarter than I am will put me on blast and I'll, I'll be glad to take that. But something that I that's interesting that I like to play with as an actor is finding a maturation point for a character. So like what's their point of trauma, which is usually when you stop spiritually growing. Right. So I, I honestly do feel like the most traumatic time of my life was when I was... 14. So maybe I really am only 14. <laughs> when I was 14, I wanted to be 22. So that's why I identify with 22. But yeah, I don't know. I think you do sort of, you're so like sponge-like and expanding and interested and interesting. And then when something bad happens, I think it restructures your your brain to just go like, I'm going to stay here. <laughs> we did an episode recently with someone who wrote a book and really did a huge deep dive into inner child work. And so much of that was going back through kind of these memories and identifying those points of traumas in her life and seeing if she can grow past them. And it's made me deeply interested in that because I genuinely feel like I'm living in my, or, you know, I look in the mirror and I'm like, okay, I'm a 28 year old, but I feel so much younger. And I just kind of want to get to a point where I've like caught myself up to who I am. Yeah. 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 That is interesting. Yeah. When, when he proposed, what was your first instinct? Did you know, did you see it coming or did you? So I had a feeling like I knew over the summer that it was a conversation, but I didn't know when it was going to happen and I didn't want to know. Like he had said, like you had had the conversations about being like, yeah, of course we want to get like that kind of what was because it's so interesting to me. Obviously, also the yeah. movie I'm yeah. promoting By is the way, about watching, watching this movie. <laughs> I was like, it, there were so many engagements in this movie that I was like reliving it. So, but, yes. it, but you know, because of that and because a lot of the people in my life are getting married and I, I feel like a part-time actress, full-time wedding assistant. Like I <laughs> have had a lot of conversations with people that I love about their first reactions, which is so varying and interesting. And I'm curious what yeah. you felt. Well, you're in a relationship. So I'm sure this is like also for you, at least for me, when people would talk to me about getting engaged, if I was single, I feel different about it. But being in a relationship, you obviously, it gives you that kind of jitter. I was stunned. Like, the video was awkward. Like, I was literally like, oh my God. Uh, of I was like, of course. And like, it's so funny. I didn't even look at the ring. He was down on a knee. I fell down to the, my knee too and like hugged him. And it wasn't until like five minutes later that I was like, wait, can I see the ring? Yeah. <laughs> We've been together for like five years now. So it was just, it felt like a perfect moment. Somebody said something so interesting that I will never forget. They were like, obviously I knew that this was my person and I was so excited, but also I was just getting this information. Yeah. No, <laughs> so, and that's so the like, misconception. They, he's been, her partner was like, he's been thinking about this for a long time. He knew exactly how right. to feel about everything. I'm just, I'm finding out right now. So give me a second to catch up. Like, no, this he is like, like he was a little disappointing moment. He was a little bit disappointed because <laughs> he wanted her to be on the same level right. of excitement. And it's not, it's not a reaction to not wanting it. It's a reaction to being like, I'm now sh just just literally what you just did was how I was. I was like, uh, 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 like, yeah, yeah, full, yeah. I don't no, know. No. My best piece of advice for anybody that is like 
it's in the pipeline for them. They're thinking about getting engaged, whatever it is. Like, don't expect it to be this like perfect, beautiful fairy tale moment. If it is, I'm so happy for you. But at the end of the day, like it's awkward and it's amazing and someone else is crying and you're stunned. And it's a moment of like so many human emotions that it's almost impossible for it to be perfect. So like embrace that and enjoy it and like lean into it. Okay, so let's talk about the movie because I loved it. Yay. I watched it and I've got to say that it felt like we see a lot of rom-coms. We see a lot of holiday romance movies, but this felt like something that's just been missing from movies for a long time. Yeah. And I was watching an interview that Reese Witherspoon did and she was like, I just wanted like an old school holiday classic, like not something that felt cheesy and corny, but so true to just like the old school rom-com feeling. And I feel like this accomplished it so well. Yeah, it's so interesting. I don't know why or when or how feel good, happy movies became synonymous with like cheesy and flat visually, you know, like I made one rom-com four years ago called Set It Up and it was, and it's just such a, it's such a good movie. Like I'm so proud of the movie and it's everyone's first reaction to it is always like, then at least what they say to me is like, oh my God, I was expecting it to be lame and cheesy, but it's so great. Like, you know, your first sort of response to rom-com or holiday or whatever is. So I was so careful and precious about making sure if I was ever going to do another rom-com or do a, you know, more like what I feel like this is more like the romance holiday genre. I wanted it to be classic and timeless and beautiful and something to be so proud of. And I am. And I'm so, so grateful for the whole experience. And you mentioned Reese Witherspoon, who's a producer on this movie and really was the person that spearheaded all of this. She saw Set It Up and she, you know, said, I want to make a great romantic movie. Like, why not? Why aren't things being made? So in true Reese fashion, she she gets things done like nobody I've ever met. She's incredible. And her team, you know, she has a company called Hello Sunshine. They are I mean, I, people must think I'm like drinking the Kool-Aid. Like I, in every interview, I'm like, I want to work there. I love it so much. But it's just the most fantastic group of women who work so fucking hard and are so good at their jobs. And like the other day, the day after the premiere, they had like a an offsite day and no one knew what it was. And it was just all of them. They were getting, got free massages, their nails done. They played games for three hours. Then they went to the bar and had a couple cocktails. Like that was their. I need to quit and work for Hello Sunshine (laughs) is what we're getting at. (laughs) They practice what they preach. They're really, they are just fantastic. And I learned so much from the whole team at Hello Sunshine from a producerial standpoint. This was my fourth movie fourth movie I've produced. And yeah, I learned a lot, a lot, a lot of valuable things and skills and ways to be better and more patient and even more detail oriented. Anytime there was anything small or big or anything that would go wrong, it'd be like a meeting, immediate meeting. Like, let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. It was just solution oriented, like always positive. Yeah, it was very, it was really just, it's interesting to make a movie that's feel good and warm and fuzzy. And also the experience of making it was feel good, warm and fuzzy. I very rarely feel like what happens in the movie or what the tone of the movie is matches the experience. It's oftentimes a kind of conflicting thing in press because you never want to lie, but you also want to you want to focus on the positives. But like I literally don't have a negative thing to say about the movie. Like It was just sunshine. We'll be right back after the break. 
Do you have a ton of holiday events in the next two weeks? And are you stressing over what to bring to all of the holiday get-togethers this year? I know I am, but I have a really good solution, and it's one of my all-time favorite desserts. Because let's be real, everyone knows dessert is the main event at any party. It's Milk Bar. And I know most people think that Milk Bar is just in New York City, but now you can ship Milk Bar desserts nationwide. It's the perfect gift for anyone and everyone in your life this holiday season. Trust me. For a limited time, Milk Bar is offering their delicious new chocolate mint chip cake and truffles and peppermint bark snap cookies. Just in time for the holidays, and you can also get your hands on their limited quantity of lab drops, including peppermint tie-dye pie made in limited batches straight from their experimental kitchen. And it's never too early to plan ahead. You can place an order today to schedule your treats to be delivered right before the holidays. But if you waited last minute, like so many of us, and need desserts ASAP, they also offer fast, even overnight nationwide delivery. I've been going to Milk Bar since I was in college. It's a place that automatically puts a smile on my face, and it really is the best gift. Anytime I've gone to a birthday or an event and brought Milk Bar, I honestly become the guest of honor. So I want that for you guys this holiday too. Right now, Milk Bar has a special limited time offer for you. Get $15 off any order of $80 or more when you go to MilkBarStore.com slash friend. You'll get 15 bucks off an order of $80 by going to MilkBarStore.com backslash friend. That's MilkBarStore.com backslash friend. Now let's get back to the show. How did this movie land in your lap to be able to work with Reese's whole team and play such a really fun, lovable character? How did it come to you? Well, four years ago when she tweeted and then we started talking and meeting and sending books to each other and scripts. Um, wow. I, I love when things happen from a tweet. <laughs> well, it's the first time anything's ever happened from a tweet with, for me. Yeah, that's it. Uh, All I know and something that I reflect often on is that Phoebe Bridgers and Paul Mezcal met via a tweet and now they're getting married. And that I love. Are they engaged? Yeah, yeah they're engaged. That's what I heard. I went to high school with Phoebe. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. She's from Pasadena. She went to Loxa. Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. The worlds always get smaller here on Friend of a Friend. Yeah, we were <laughs> in math together. Um, cool. Yeah, it, it is cool. It gives me a lot of cool points for my cool friends. It does. Um, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Inclu me included. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wow. So it just went up 10 notches for me. She went to math. She had math class with Phoebe Bridgers. Time also went to Loxa. Whoa. Um, yeah. I went to the wrong school. Let me tell you. My Spotify rap this year was Haim and Baby Bridgers. So I really went to the wrong school. Yeah. <laughs> so then we were just, we, uh, they had sent me that book. I loved the book. I thought it was so sweet. And we've been working on it since, really. Yeah, we shot it last year and got to shoot in New York in Christmas time, which was really great and sweet. And that's um, a dream. I shoot a lot in New York. I love Lucky it. Lucky Street. And it's like a second home to me. So yeah. Speaking of New York, something in this movie that I loved as someone who lived in New York for 10 years was the fact that, do you know what a meet cute is? Yeah. This movie had such an iconic meet cute moment. <laughs> it did. And I think that this is something that only really happens in New York, right? Have you had, okay, for those who don't know a meet cute, it's kind of like a cute moment where like you can meet any love interest in a very kind of random way and end up spending either a day or a night together. Everyone's had these. And if you haven't, you will eventually at some point in life, right? Like everyone yes. has a meet cute. I don't think it's all exclusive to New York. I think New York obviously there are like bizarre, there, the volume of bizarre circumstances. Yes. Is New York <laughs> makes it crazy because like everything is so accessible. And if like you meet someone at a bar at nine o'clock, like you could be doing something till five in the morning because there's just like everything's available. Right. Right. Yeah, I definitely. Yeah. So it definitely has it. You know, I think at least this is my experience with myself and my friends sometimes. Yes. Tell us about a meet cute you've had. I won't. But <laughs> <laughs> I had such cutes. a great meet cute. I like remember one time I met a guy at a, oh God. It was an engagement party uptown Love. somewhere. I'd never met this guy before. And I was dancing and having a fun time. And we end up like chatting it up and, and hanging out. And 
before I know it, three hours go by. And he's like, do you want to go to the Carlisle Jazz Bar? And I was like, absolutely. End up going to the jazz bar, having like so many drinks, left the engagement party, end up like walking Central Park. New York meet cutes. They're, wow. they're pretty great. Yeah. Then you end up like out walking with this person until two in the morning and it's a movie. <laughs> You're in your own mini movie. You know what I mean? Like it's the best. I I am. Um, yeah. yeah actually, oh, no. Honestly, all of the time. They're all really funny, actually. No, but anyway, you'll never okay, know. You don't have to tell us the person, but like where's the weirdest place you went on a New York meet cute? I'm not thinking about New York. I met okay, my ex-boyfriend at um, Ariana Grande's birthday party for like 18th or 16th or 16th birthday party okay or something crazy another one just like that seems like random beyond yeah very random (laughs) I guess some things are meant to be sacred (laughs) me cutes are kind of sacred I get it I totally get it I just have never been on a date from a dating app so I I have no other choice but to have weird me cutes yeah I guess so you're not on any I mean obviously not now no you've never been on any I had been on one right but it, nothing came to fruition. Right. Um, I think I was on the same one. It yeah. was bleak. Bleak. I was like, wait, <laughs> I know you. And I know you too. And I know you too. And it's just, I'm going to say no. It's just a fascinating situation. How did you meet your fiance? Through mutual friends. We had the same best friends, but he was living in LA and I was living in New York. And then he ended up moving to New York to go to Columbia for school. And I was at NYU. Oh, and cute. then obviously our best friends kind of all collided. And the most typical cringe LA story of all time we like really hung out for the first time at Coachella. Oh, but that's cute. <laughs> Do you know how many LA couples hung out for the first time at Coachella? Of course, one of my very close friends, that was where they had their first kiss and now they're married. And look, how many times have you been to Coachella? 14? Don't embarrass me on the show. No, I've been on, I've been, I think I literally counted. It was 14. Yeah. Well, we start, year. look, if you're from LA, going to Coachella is like a cultural institution. You start going when you're like 14, 15 years old. Like, I went I my first year with my was, mother. Yes, me too. I was 12 or 13 and I was there to like, my mom was there to supervise my older sister. And right. so I was like, I'll come. Right. And um, you're like, woo, this lemonade tastes great. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, uh, it, I literally been every year. Yeah. It's pathetic. I was really interested by what you were saying earlier about kind of figuring out that like moment of maturation for some of your characters. And I would love to hear what your process is like when you're diving into a character. What is the first thing that you do as you're prepping to play a role? Yeah. I think, honestly, it's the same same sort of process for all of them. Yeah, I guess, it, you know, you could use an example for like, not okay. When I'm involved in a much more behind the scenes way as a producer, I get to help shape in a way that's so lovely. And then by the time I'm on set, it's a lot, it's a lot easier. There's, there's all those conversations have been had. And also I feel more comfortable kind of having those conversations instead of coming in and feeling like I'm, yeah, you know, you know your place a little bit more when you're not, when you're not a producer. Right. And I think there's a false idea of how much power an actor has. And also even a false idea, actors have a false idea of how much power they have. They're like, kind of, it's not manipulated. It's just sort of, it's a false reality that people around them have given that you actually have a say or control over anything, which you don't. Right. You know, you are of service to something bigger than yourself and you cannot fit a square peg into a round hole. Doesn't matter how hard you work and how much you want something to happen. You do not get the final say. It doesn't even matter how famous or powerful or anything like it really doesn't. The director, the producers, the executives, those are the people who have a seat at the table are the ones making the final decision and they can look at you in the eyes and make you promises. But until you create your own seat at the table, you really have no power. And I know that and I'm respectful of that. So if I'm not a producer, I really 
try my best to not overstep my boundary. This is plural. So anyway, when I am, I have, I'm much more, you know, involved in every single detail, as you can imagine. And for something like not okay, sort of just to get back to the actual like boring logistics part of like what preparation means to me, I go through the script quite a few times with one of my teachers, one of my like mentors, and we just read it out loud a couple of times together. And we sort of, what's so interesting about reading something out loud, naturally, you'll find problems and you'll in holes and things that don't make sense and aren't consistent with the person that you, you're creating. And not that people can't be walking contradictions of themselves. Everyone is, but super baseline boring. But like every scene has an objective and every scene has to fit a super objective. So what is your super objective of your character? Like, where are you starting? Where are you ending? And like, does every scene, not every scene has to have the same objective. It shouldn't, but every scene should fit your super objective. And you know, being clear, it's very simple, but being, it's requires a lot of work and a lot of time being very clear about what your character wants and needs and is trying to get. I always love the Mike Nichols quote that every scene is a negotiation or a seduction or both. And it's true of life too. Like we all want things from each other and being clear about what it is that your character wants and how they're getting it is the fun part. So it's like really, really getting into the weeds and oftentimes having some pretty hard conversations. My teacher that I work with is like, I would say the most important person in my career. Uh, she's the most brilliant woman I've ever met. She's tough on me. and <laughs> She's awesome. And it's oftentimes like a, you have to deal with your own bullshit too, because you're talking about, you know, it's a business of thoughts. So, I mean, a lot of people say acting is like the business of feelings. I think it's a business of thoughts, but thoughts lead to feelings. So yeah, you're bringing up a lot of stuff. It can oftentimes feel like therapy. Anyway, so you go through that, you do all that stuff, and oftentimes there's problems and things you want to change and shift and move and grow and ideas to bring on the day and stuff evolves. And then I have another teacher, mentor, who's a genius. And we do like Alexander technique work and animal work and kind of more like symbol work and fun stuff like that. And it sounds really pretentious and like self-important so when actors talk about stuff like this because they think the whole thing is you want it to feel like it's like you're not trying, like you are this person. So it it doesn't look forced. But then the reality is like, you know, that's the fun part is the preparation. But I like do this much work when it's like a, what people perceive to be like a silly comedy. <laughs> like I don't, it's not like I just do this for, you know, a drama or a, I gravity and the importance of, it's very serious to me <laughs> and I really care. So it is really fascinating to me, at least to hear all the layers that go into kind of making that final moment. It's just interesting to hear you work with two different coaches and kind of going through every step and every emotion and, you know, finding out what the intention is behind all of it, I think makes you a better actor in the moment. But also, I think could be quite introspective for you as a person, I'm sure. Like kind of. Yeah. You have to assess your own emotions in the moment oh to get gosh, to that the point. Things that I've learned also my dialect teacher who's a freaking genius. It's so interesting the things that I've learned about myself and the way that I speak from her, from the characters that I've played, where she'll talk to me about why I speak the, the way that I do and, you know, we were talking about when I first came in because you said you're you had lost your voice. Like I've learned so much about I I get like chronic laryngitis and I lose my voice a lot. And I think a lot of it is psychosomatic that I don't feel like I was heard as the youngest sibling or child that I, I felt like I had to shout and I was always like constricting my like weird little things. Or, you know, when I did a crazy valley accent for a movie called Zombieland and when I was working with her 
learning and understanding where that vocal fry came from. And it's sort of like really lazy. Like it's just sort of like, and that's where like the like stereotype of like valley mm-hmm. people, like what they're just like lazy. Cause like it's like <laughs> the register in the back of your throat. You don't have to like exert any energy or like, you know, it's like it, there's reasons why people speak the way that they do and why people's mouths look a certain. Anyway, I think that kind of stuff is really fun and interesting. I try, I learn a lot about myself. And I have just like a so many wonderful people that I get to learn from and teachers and mentors. And um, that's the best for me. We'll be right back after a quick break. If you're looking to do a little bit of a hair refresh and have the best possible hair going into 2023, I highly recommend this one product that can reverse damage in your hair in just four minutes. It's called K18 and it's bringing you into the future of hair care with their leave-in molecular repair hair mask. Unlike most products that cover up damage, this clinically proven breakthrough repairs damage from bleach and color, chemical services, and heat on all hair types. The secret is in their patented K18 peptide, born after 10 years of complex bioscience research to restore strength and elasticity in the innermost layers of our hair. And since damage is ongoing, you can start fresh with softer, smoother, bouncier hair that lasts. No wonder their leave-in molecular repair mask has honestly gone viral. It's something that I use once or twice a week. I love to put it on my hair. It feels so good afterwards. My hair can be quite thin and brittle, and especially in these winter months, it tends to get a little bit frizzy on the ends. So every time I use this hair mask, my hair truly looks brand new again. And I love that I know that it's getting real repair and not just putting a Band-Aid over the issue. The best part is that K18's easy leave-in fits into any routine. So you can repair daily damage with less stress and frustration and unlock new levels of self-expression. Whether you want to do it fresh out of the shower, on the go, whatever it is, K18 is so easy to use and is for everyone. Bring your hair into the future with K18 Molecular Repair, available now at Sephora and Sephora.com. Shop K18's Leave-In Molecular Repair Hair Mask at Sephora and Sephora.com. Now let's get back to the show. I know that costume is also really important to you too, and I've loved watching all of your roles, especially as someone who adores fashion just really come to life through what you're wearing. I think of Not Okay being so iconic. I know that the blonde hair streak came from just you scrolling through TikTok. And I think that that your ability to kind of bring these things in that you're seeing in your life into these characters, whether it was the hair or even wearing, you know, a Tiffany blue Carolina Herrera dress to the premiere. All of those things feel really intrinsic to you as an actress and your performance. How does costume play a role in your prep and what you bring to the table? Yeah, I love fashion. I really do. I love it as an art form, as a form of expression. My two dreams as a little girl were to be an actress and be a fashion designer. And so it's like I feel like I get to live out a little bit of, you know, my childhood fantasy getting to work with these great designers and create stories and images. And when it comes to movies and creating characters in the movies, I'm pretty obsessive about it. I really overthink it. Like, I want to see the board. I want to understand, like, okay, well, this pa- oh, this scene is about, whew, it's two pages, which means, like, then right after that, they're going to be in this color. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, how it's going to look next to the other things. And does it make sense? Because she's leaving from her house. She have the coat. Like, I'm trying to think about it. on, And then, like, that's more of, like, a that part of it. Then, of course, the where are they in the story and the the whole, all of it is so fun and sort of also can be overwhelming to me. Like, I really overthink it. And it's so fun to get to work with collaborators and costume designers who love that and are into that and get excited and inspired by it. 
And the costume designer on Tiffany's was just fantastic. And also for Not Okay, like they were both totally game for me texting them at one in the morning. Like, we need a string ting for the phone. Everyone's bringing And for Not Okay specifically, that was for Tiffany's. I wanted it to feel timeless. Like it could be any, you know, this could be any time. Like someone who's just like, not trying too hard, but she obviously has good taste and it also like subtle holiday vibes. And but for not okay, I wanted it to be like almost like be treated like a period piece, like summer 2020. What did that mean? So and we got kind of some flack for it. I remember people being like microtrends, like no one even wears this shit anymore. And it's like, yeah, that's the point. Like yeah. the whole point was I was supposed to be like, this is a micro trend. You guys, we follow things so obsessively in the moment and then they're like gone. And right. it's... We're um, watching a moment in time almost. The movie came out yeah. less than a year later and, and it was... And people were annoyed. Yeah. And people were like, we don't wear this anymore. It's like, yeah, that's the point. <laughs> but yeah. Something from Tiffany's for me felt so nostalgic for like a Nora Ephron movie Oh, almost. that's the best. That's Down the to the wardrobe. Thank you. Down yeah. to seeing what you were wearing walking down the street. It felt very like Meg Ryan walking down the street and when Harry met Sally. It felt very classic. And I could even see that in the wardrobe. It wasn't supposed to be this moment that, you know, felt emblematic of someone in love in New York right now. It felt like something I could watch in 20 years. I really, okay. really appreciated that. And that was what made me like the movie even more. Here's the thing. Like, our barometer for authenticity is so hot. Like, we all are exposed to so much. And we see so many real things, so many fake things. You know, oftentimes people don't want to source anything vintage or anything because you need duplicates in case something goes wrong. Like it's a it's a huge problem if let's say you shoot a scene and then all of a sudden the coat gets ruined. Like what do you do? Right. Or, you know, if you do reshoots, or, you know, so usually everyone wants to buy new things so that I want things to feel textured and real and authentic. And luckily, like with Tiffany's, we were able to use, everyone was really awesome and gung-ho to use like vintage coats and things and make it feel more real. Like this is a girl that lives in New York. She doesn't have like the most, most expensive, I don't know. She's a baker. Like I want her to have secondhand cool stuff. Yeah, but she still had some like amazing looks, like <laughs> yeah. the full brown look, like the she, brown coat. I brown coat. I own now. Was I was gonna say, coat. I think I saw you wearing it recently, and I was like, did she? I saw it right after the movie, and I was like, it helps to be a producer. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> I was like, um, I'll take that, and I'll take the orange like crusade, and I'll take no <laughs> shopping on set. Yeah, shopping on set. Mm -hmm. It's just been really fun for me as someone who you know. I, obviously, I've known you for a long time, but. I also have loved watching your career just blossom and Thank even more too. so your fashion, especially as someone that like comes from fashion. It's just kind of what I live and breathe. Watching you just take risks and really do everything you want with it has been so fun. Every time I know you're going to be on a carpet, I'm like, I know she's going to show up. <laughs> I do. I know Thank you're going to show up. The blue Valentino cape moment that you wore to the Vanity Fair Oscar party. I think of like the Fendi yellow jumpsuit that was like so cool. I just think of so many beautiful moments where you've really brought so much creativity and you can tell that you love fashion. It's not just something that you're like pulling off a rack. It feels like a really creative process for you. What do you love to wear? Kind of talk me through what, what feels best for you when you're getting dressed. Yeah. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. I definitely spent a lot of time with it and I really love it. The process is always pretty different. I mean, I'm always sending stuff to Elizabeth Stewart, my stylist. And, and you guys I'm, are like a dream duo. It just, <laughs> it never misses. She's the nicest person. And and I, and obviously, as everybody knows, she's extraordinarily talented and her roster is psychotic. 
like you've got Kate Blanchett. feel to be on that roster? <laughs> I'm at the very, very bottom. So that's how it feels. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm still, like, it's pretty, you know what? It's better to be in good company than not in good company. Me, I have no problem when I like walk into her studio and there's like a rack that says like Jessica Chastain. I'm like, I'll just take a quick peek. Like, <laughs> she's like, like, not for you, bitch. Give me her sloppy seconds. No problem. I'll yeah. take them. No, no, no. She's, I think there's like a um, stigma or stereotype and also potentially a little bit of a reality of the fashion world being intimidating and I don't want to use the word mean, but whatever it is, whatever adjective that comes to mind, like she's the most lovely, kind person. And that's first for her. Like that's number one, which is the most important thing to me too. Like I have a team of incredible, all women, you know, my agent, my lawyer, my publicist, my style, like everyone, they're all super powerful and awesome, but like so nice. And that's important to me. So Elizabeth, yeah, I'll send her stuff all the time. I also have really, she taught me this and it seems sort of like obvious, but she just taught me very early on when we started working together when I was, I guess, 19, have these relationships with the designers personally. And with all the amazing PR people too, like make those relationships yourself because that goes a really long way. And when they know that you care, when you understand how much work goes into everything, obviously you understand in depth, but like all the boxes and all the people and all the emails and all the dry cleaning and all the, you know, all the tailors and artists and atelier, like all the stuff when you care and when you respect them, I think they really feel that. And so I've been really lucky to have those relationships and, um, you know, with Dior and Valentino and with Coach and with Tiffany's and Fendi, all these places. Like I just, I have friendships over there, which it obviously helps. It makes it better too. When you get to travel the world and then you get to be with some friends, that's not too bad. But yeah, like the yellow Fendi was probably one of my favorite things. And that was a real collaboration. I was in Rome and I shot a, a Fendi campaign and there was a show at the Coliseum, which was extraordinary. And I saw this black jumpsuit and I asked them if they could make it in red for the globes. And they said, we don't have a red fabric. And they sent three other colors. And I was like, yellow would be incredible. And that's actually the only thing that I've ever gotten to keep from a red, like a real moment. And they let me keep it because it was just custom for me. And Valentino, I think I feel just, Pier Paolo, I just feel so, it's like he makes clothes. Like, I just love wearing Valentino. And that blue moment was, that's definitely one of my favorites. I love this answer because I think it applies to anything anybody's listening could be doing in their life right now. It's like, go that extra mile, make that relationship. I think it could be really easy to like just maybe rely on a connection or something like that. But I say that a lot in terms of mentorship. Like I think people really rely on like mentorship or relationships as like a one-way thing. Like, yeah. okay, what am I going to get from this person? But at the end of the day, I think like the most fruitful relationships that I have are ones where like we've both put in that extra mile and have actually built a friendship. And from there, we can work together. But I think at the end of the day, when you're friends, it can be a thing where you both win. Yeah, No matter what, like you wearing this Fendi look and, you know, having a relationship with them, it feels like a win for both of you. Totally. And to be totally honest, my own thing with that is less about like wanting something from them and more being like, I don't ever want to be annoying to people. Like I just am always like, oh, I don't want to bother that. You know, like it's it's less like it's honestly. uh, Yeah, I just am always like, oh, I don't want to I don't want to bother them. Like they're busy. You know, I just assume everybody's way too busy for me. (laughs) And then I'll realize like that leaves a lot of room for error in terms of communication. And that's been something I've had to work on, which is like, I give space for people and, and you can assume other people will give space for you. And if they don't, then that's their message. Like, you know, I just always assume that there isn't space for me. 
And so I, I think like a really big part of growing up and back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this episode, part of my like feeling like a mature adult has been me being okay taking up space in a room. Yeah. I am the same way. I'm very much like, I don't want to be in someone's way. I don't want to bother you. I don't want to like ask too much of people. And now I'm kind of trying to get to that point where I feel okay with, you know, standing strong and, you know, my needs and knowing that I can also reciprocate and accept things as well. I would love to hear your thoughts, you know, having worked in the industry this long, how does it feel different to you? I'm still so curious. Like I have so much I want to do and that I haven't done. I feel honestly like I'm just starting, but I guess I also feel happy that I've gotten through some of the obstacles that I have. And I'm also like, fuck, I know there are so many more to come. Like it really has just begun. And, you know, I have a lot more gratitude than I think I ever have for the process, for for maybe the failures, for the good, the bad, the ugly. Like I really do have a lot of gratitude for all of it. And I'm I'm excited, honestly, about whatever is to come. You mentioned this is your fourth producer title, which is so incredible. It must be really fun to be able to do both. What stories are you excited to tell? Are we going to see more producer titles from you in the future? Yes. I have a project that I'm doing with Katie Silberman, who wrote Set It Up. And um, she also wrote Booksmart. And um, wow, two iconic films. And Don't Worry Darling. Yeah, she's incredible. Speaking of Nora Ephron, I think she is the modern day Nora Ephron. She is a genius and also like the coolest, kindest person ever. So I have a project with her that I'm excited about. I have something, another project with Hello Sunshine and a couple other things, something with Searchlight. And yeah, just some, I I try to switch it up. Like I I try to do, (laughs) I'm not necessarily specifically interested in one I mix it up. So it's there's all it's all over the map, all the different types of things that I have coming up. But. She's booked and busy, it sounds like. <laughs> She's know. booked and busy. I hope so. Fingers crossed. God willing. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Oh this gosh. was so fun. Thank it was really great to hear about your process and just learning about your perspective on the industry. And of course, all the glam fashion, which is my favorite part. No offense. I love the acting <laughs> You too, always but. look fantastic. It means a lot coming from you. You have the you. best style. Thank you. Speaking of which, tell me really quickly, what are you wearing? Because you look so... What am I wearing? I'm wearing Tiffany's. Oh. My favorite. How how yeah, fitting. I'm wearing Roger Vivier. Vivier. Thank you. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> love them. And uh, this is Saloni. Little, oh, cute. Yeah, cute little holiday. I'm trying to stay in the that. holiday mode. And she's got like a high ponytail braid with this like adorable bow in the back. I, I love it. I love a theme. And you do a theme really well. I have always been like this since I was a little girl. Like if I was going to do anything, the only way I would do it is if I could dress the part. Like I had to dress the part. So I was like, oh, something from Tiffany's. I am going to dress like a big blue box and I'm going to do the after party. Like what's inside? I'm going to be a diamond after. Like you I walked love... in the door and I was like, a present has arrived. Correct. I and I, it. I, it's a Christmas movie. Like there is nothing that I love more than a theme. So here you go. I love it. Something from Tiffany's is out now. <laughs> so please go watch it. It is so funny. So feel good. Sit down with your family. Watch it all together. Like popcorn, snacks, whatever you need. It is just one of those movies that feels so classic and so fun. And I'm so excited for you because it felt so heartwarming and I'm just really excited that you're in it. Thank you. Of course. Thanks for being here. On Prime Video. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week.
Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.